0: Section 6 of The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Bose The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Eon Flint Part 2 The Story Chapter 1 The Man I am strokor, son of strok the armorer. I am strokor, a maker of tools of war. strokor, the mightiest man in the world. strokor, whose wisdom outwitted the hordes of Klow. strokor, who has never feared and never failed. Let him who dares dispute it. I... I am strokor. In my youth I was as now, the marvel of all who saw. I was ever robust and daring, and naught but much older and bigger lads could outdo me. I balked at nothing, be it a game or a battle. It was, and forever shall be, my chief delight to best all others. T'was from my mother that I gained my huge frame and sound heart. In truth, I am very like her now that I think upon it. She too was indomitable in battle, and famed for her liking for strife. No doubt t'was her stalwart figure that caught my father's fancy. Ay, my mother was a very likely woman, but she boasted no brains. "'I need no cunning,' I remember she said and he who was so unlucky in battle as to fall into her hands could vouch for the truth of it as long as he lived which would not be long she was a grand woman slow to anger and a match for many a good pair of men often as a lad have i carried the marks of her punishment for the most of a year and thus it seems that i owe my head to my father he was a marvellously clever man, dexterous with hand and brain alike. Moreover, he was no weakling. Perchance I should credit him with some of my agility, for he was famed as a gymnast, though not a powerful one. "'Twas he who taught me how to disable my enemy with a mere clutch of the neck at a certain spot." But Struck the armourer was feared more because of his brain and his knack of using his mind to the undoing of others. And he taught me all that he knew, taught me all that he had learned in a lifetime of fighting for the Emperor, of mending the complicated machines in the armory, of contact with the chemists who wrought the secret alloy, and the chiefs who led the army. Some of this he taught me when I was not yet a man. Why he should have done so, I know not save that he seemed to value my affection, and like not my mother's demands that I heed her call, not his. At all events, I oft found his shop a place of refuge from her wrath, and I early came to value his teachings. When I became a man, he abruptly ended the practice. I think he saw that I was become as dexterous as he with the tools of the craft, and he feared lest I know more than he. Well, he might. The day I realized this, I laughed long and loud, and from that time forth he taught me, not because he chose to, but because I bent a chisel in my bare hands before his eyes and told him his place. Many times he strove to trick me, and more than once he all but caught me in some trap He was a crafty man, and relied not upon brawn, but upon wits. Yet I was ever on the watch, and I but learned the more from him. Ye are very kind, I mocked him one morning. When I had taken my seat a huge weight had dropped from above and crushed my stool to splinters, much as it would have crushed my skull had I not leapt instantly aside ye are kinder than most fathers who teach their sons nothing at all he foamed at his mouth in his rage and discomfiture insolent whelp he snarled thou art quick as a cat on thy feet but i was not appeased by words i smote him on the chest with my bare hand so that he fell on the far side of the room Let that be a warning, I told him, when he had recovered some time later. If ye have any more tricks, try them for, not on me, which I claim to be a neat twist of words. It was not long after that when I saw a change in my father. He no longer tried to snare me. Instead, he began, of his own free will, to train my mind to other than warlike things. At first, I was suspicious enough. I looked for new traps, and watched all the closer. I told him that his next try would surely be his last, and I meant it. But the time came when I saw that my father was reconciled to his master, I saw that he genuinely admitted my prowess, and where he formerly envied me, he now took great pride in all I accomplished, and claimed that it was but his own brains acting through my body. I let him indulge in the conceit. I grudged it not to him, so long as he taught me. In truth, he was so eager to add to my store of facts, so intent upon filling my head with what filled his that at times i was fairly compelled to stop him lest i tire my mother opposed all this the lad needs none of thy wiles she gibe,d. he is no stripling he is a man's man and a fit son of his mother ay quoth my father slightly he hath thy muscles and thy courage Thank John, he hath not thy empty head. Whereat she flew at him. Had she caught him, she would have destroyed him. Such was her rage. And afterwards she would have mourned her folly and mayhap have injured herself, for she loved him greatly. But he stepped aside just in the nick of time, and she crashed into the wall behind him with such force that she was senseless for a time. I remember it well and yet to give credit where credit is due i must admit that i owe a great deal to that graybeard maka the stargazer but for him perchance the name of strokor would mean but little for twas he who gave me ambition truly it was an uncommon affair my first meeting with him Now that I shake my memory for it, it seems that something else of like consequence came to pass on the same occasion. Curious, but I have not thought on it for many days. Yes, it is true. I met Maka on the very morn that I first laid eyes on the girl Ave. I was returning from the Northland at the time. A rumor had come down to Vlama that one of the people in the snow country had seen a lone specimen of the Mulika. Now these were but a myth. No man living remembers when the carving on the House of Learning were made, and all the wise men say that it hath been ages since any being other than man roamed the world. Yet I was young. I determined to search for the thing anyhow and t'was only after wasting many days in the snow that I cursed my luck and turned back. I was afoot, for the going was too rough for my chariot. I had not yet quit the wilderness before, from a height, I spied a group of people ascending from the valley. Knowing not whether they be friends or foes, I hid behind the path up which they must come, for I was weary and wanting no strife. Yet I became alert enough when the three, they were two ditch-tenders, one old, one young, and a girl, came within earshot. For they were quarrelling. It seemed that the young man, who was plainly eager to gain the girl, had fouled in a try to force her favour. The older man chided him hotly. And just when they came opposite my rock, The younger man, whose passion had got the better of him, suddenly tripped the older so that he fell upon the ledge and would have fallen to his death on the rocks below had not the girl, crying out in her terror, leapt forward and caught his hand. At once the ditch-tender took the lass about the waist and strove to pull her away. For a moment she held fast, and in that moment I, Strokor, came forth from behind the rock now be it known that i am no champion of weaklings i have no liking for the troubles of others enough of my own say i i was but angered that the ditch tender should have done the trick so clumsily and upon an old man at that i cared not for the gray beard nor what became of the chit i clapped the trickster upon the shoulder and spun him about ye clumsy coward i jeered have ye had no practice that ye should trip the old one no better than that who are ye he stuttered like the coward he was i laughed and helped the chit drag maka for it was he up to safety i am a far better man than ye i said not caring to give my name and I can show ye how the thing should be done. Come at me, if ye are a man. At that he dashed upon me, and such was his fear of ridicule, for the girl was laughing him to scorn now. He put up a fair, stiff fight. But I forgot my weariness, when he foully clotted me on the head with a stone. I drove at him with all the speed and suddenness my father had taught me, caught the fellow by the ankle, and brought him down atop me. The rest was easy. I bent my knee under his middle and tossed him high. In a flash I was upon my feet and caught him from behind, and in another second I had rushed him to the cliff, and when he turned to save himself, I tripped him as neatly as father himself could have done it, so that the fellow will guard the ditch no more, save in the caverns of hope. I laughed and picked up my pack. My head hurt a bit from the fellow's blow, but a little water would do for that. I started to go. Ye are a brave man, cried the girl. I turned carelessly, and then, quite for the first time, I had a real look at her. She was in no way like any woman I had seen. All of them had been much like the men, brawny and close-knit as well fitted for their work as are men for war. But this chit was all but slender, not skinny, but prettily rounded out and soft-like. I cannot say that I admired her at first glance. She seemed fit only to look at, not to live. I was minded of some of the ancient carvings, which showed delicate, lightly built animals that have long since been killed off graceful trifles that rested the eye. As for the old man, "'Aye, thou art brave and wondrously strong, my lad,' said he, still a bit shaky from his close call. I was pleased with the acknowledgement and turned back. "'It was nothing,' I told them, and I recounted some of my exploits, notably one in which I routed a raiding party of men from Clow, six in all carrying in two alive on my shoulders i am the son of strok the armorer ye are strokor marveled the girl staring at me as though i were a god then she threw back her head and stepped close i am ave this is maka he is my uncle but best known as a stargazer My father was Duroc, the engine-maker. She watched my face. Duroc? I knew him well. My father had said that he was quite as brainy as himself. He were a fine man, Ave. Aye, said she proudly. She stepped closer. I could not but see how like him she was, though a woman. And next second she laid a hand on my arm. I am yet a free woman, Strokor. Hast thou picked thy mate? And her cheeks flamed. Now, twas not my first experience of the kind. Many women had looked like that at me before. But I had always been a man's man, and had ever heeded my father's warning to have naught whatever to do with women. They are the worst trick of all, he told me. "'and I had never forgot. "'Belike, I owe much of my power to just this. "'But Ave had acted too quickly for me to get away. "'I laughed again and shook her off. "'I will have naught to do with ye,' I told her civilly enough. "'When I am ready to take a woman, I shall take her, not before.' "'At that the blood left her face.' She stood very straight, and her eyes flashed dangerously. Were she a man, I should have stood on my guard. But she made no move. Only the softness in her eyes gave way to such a savage look that I was filled with amaze. And thus I left them, the old man calling down the blessing of John upon me for having saved his life. And the chit glaring after me as though no curses would suffice. A right queer matter, I thought at the time. I guessed not what would come of it. Not then. End of section six. Recording by Steve Boyce. Website www.steveboyce.net. Boyce is spelt B U Y S.